0: You're listening to another podcast from I'dRatherBeWriting.com. I'm your host, Tom Johnson. This podcast is part two of a presentation that I gave to the Transalpine Conference in Vienna in June of 2009. If you haven't listened to part one, you may want to listen to that first since uh, it it is meant to be listened to as a whole. But if not, you can jump right in. If you have feedback, just go to my site, I'dRatherBeWriting.com and click the contact button or Comment below a post, however you like to give feedback. All right, thanks for listening. Another, another key aspect of blogs, podcasts, screencasts is readability. And I'm using this in a really broad term. People like different formats. You have some people who are always on Facebook. You have other people who are always on Twitter. Other people who read RSS feeds. Other people who only read email. Others who prefer newsletters others who have little mobile devices that they read everything on. And whatever content that you're producing, you want to make it readable in the format that the user prefers. And this is actually kind of a challenge, but not as much as you may think. Uh, a lot of people just don't bother to do it. So when you have a, when you have a um, blog, you have to keep in mind that people are op- often not reading it from your site. They're reading it in a list of feeds and they see a title uh, in, among hundreds of other titles. And that's how they're, they're reading it. How many of you use RSS feed readers? A few, uh, most, half. Okay, the other, there's another crowd that kind of rejects RSS or doesn't reject it either, but uh, likes and prefers Twitter. So a lot of people are snooty about Twitter. They hate, or they don't hate, they look down upon the whole Twitter sphere and think that it's pointless and dumb. But it doesn't matter what you think, you have to realize that some people in your audience may be Twitterites. They may be people who are on Twitter. So for example, Kirsty, right there, she's totally on Twitter, doesn't use RSS. So if, you're, if you don't send little updates about your latest posts across Twitter, you're not gonna reach her. Other people like uh, John Hewitt from the Poe War, he's on Facebook, right? And if my stuff doesn't go across Facebook, I doubt he really sees it. So you have to try to meet the needs of all of your audience. This is Penelope Trunk's blog. And in the upper right corner, you see how to subscribe. You can choose by email or by RSS. And here, this, this blue backdrop creates a lot of contrast, which pulls your eye and your focus to it. You want to keep your subscribe options really clear. And this is another example. He's, he's got them in the upper right. You can subscribe by iTunes, by RSS, by email, you want to give readers as many options as you can. Um, I would add a Twitter button, you can add a Facebook button, whatever you want. Uh, Give people the option to read stuff in the format that they want. Because because, um, your content has an RSS feed, it can easily be transformed in all these different, different ways. Another part of readability though, beyond just having the right format, is to write in a way that's good for online reading. This is uh, an example from CopyBlogger and he uses subheadings a lot. Uh, It's just a good example. So when you're reading online content, of course people skim. They read quickly and if you have subheadings, it facilitates scanning. So definitely uh, write in a way that's conducive to online reading. Lists, white space, bullet points. Now I'm gonna show one. This is my last multimedia clip. This is my this is my absolute f- most favorite uh, screencaster, Michael Pick. And I'm using his video as an example of screencasting in a way that engages engages you visually. Because if you create a screencast, it's really easy to just narrate and show still shots that change every 30 seconds or something really long and tedious. But he ex- he shows how to... I gotta load something real quick. He shows how to keep the reader's visual attention uh, through this constant eye candy that's coming across. So, whereas online, when you're just reading something, you need subheadings. In visual space, you need constant stuff. I mean, if you ever if you ever watch TV uh, commercials, they change every like two seconds, or they change scenes. You know, there's constant motion. So. Screencast, video tutorial, um, like that Common Craft one, that's screencast. I guess a screencast is usually like a regular uh, video tutorial that's got an RSS feed, but I'm using the term somewhat loosely to include um, video tutorials that you may do at work using Captivate, Camtasia Studio, because that's really where where it intersects with our profession. So this, I had to download a special application for this to work offline. Oh... After five days, I think something disappears, hold on to me, oh no, here it is, okay. Uh. Okay.
1: We try to make it as easy as possible for you to share your ideas with wordpress.com and sometimes you want to put your thoughts into motion instead of words alone. Introducing Videopress, an upgrade for your WordPress.com blog, and your ticket to saying it in style and saying it in high definition. When you add the upgrade to your blog, you'll find that you have instant access to all of our video features. Upload your video to a post, and depending on your source footage, it'll automatically display in standard, DVD, or 1280 by 720 high definition. But we wanted to take things a little further. We figured if you wanted to make a video podcast, you'd want your videos to be iTunes, feed reader, and Miro friendly. So that's all taken care of. Dropping the feed of your blog into your feed reader or podcatcher gives you an instant on-demand video podcast in high definition. Then we thought about video embeds and how you'll probably want to share your videos at the best possible quality. So we built the HD option in a standard, for those full-screen moments, so you can share your HD video as many times as you like without limitation. And because video geeks care about the details, we display your video at exactly the same frame rate you uploaded at, bringing you smooth playback at 24, 25 or 30fps. Of course, you can use all of your media space to upload to. There are no daily, weekly or monthly caps. And if you need a little more space, we have a range of one-click upgrades to sort that out for you. And if you're self-hosting your own WordPress or blogging elsewhere, just set up a free.com account in seconds to store and stream your videos from, taking advantage of the same grid servers that power global media brands. Embed the Streamline video player anywhere on the web, automatically put out your iTunes or Myra video podcast, and leave worrying about cranking out the HD goodness to us. Oh and did we mention the entire framework's open source? Okay, that's a wrap then. Video press, putting your ideas in motion. Are they on YouTube? Are what? Hold on, no, wait one new second. It's a
0: way for you to easily author and upload content to your blog. Okay. Are they what? Are they competing with YouTube. Uh yeah, I guess. They have their own video service. I mean, there's a lot of video sharing sites. There's Vimeo, Vidler, YouTube, and probably a dozen others. So uh, I really, he's got a lot of videos, and uh, that one is about publishing HD videos, so high definition. Uh, if, you, if you just change your little dimensions on your recording window to 1280 by 720, when you upload it into WordPress, um, if you're on a WordPress.com site, it will render it into HD automatically. But my point was not really that technical detail. It was the fact that the screen is constantly changing. It's almost like you have to design video for ADD people, people who who's lose attention after five seconds, right? So, and that one wasn't as cool as some of his others, a lot of, a lot of screen changes, but you can get the concept. There's constantly some kind of eye candy on the screen that's keeping your attention. And that's really tough to do in screencasts because that's a lot of work. I mean, creating each of those little eye widgets, whatever you want to call them, little doohickeys that, that move across the screen. And he's got some power tools that he's using, uh, Final Cut Pro, uh, ScreenFlow, Ableton Live for the music, and uh, a couple of others I asked him about because <laughs> I, I wanted to make one just like it. But even if you have just Camtasia, Captivate, as long as you keep the eye candy on the screen through whatever diagrams you create, uh, screenshots that are changing, you can keep the reader's attention. All right, number six, visibility. If your stuff isn't visible, no matter how good it is, your readers are not going to find it and they're not going to like it, right? So you have to be visible in order to gain your readers. And there's a lot of things that contribute to visibility. Usually search engine optimization or SEO is a huge priority for most businesses. This is where where their bottom line comes in. Is real estate, if you think of real estate almost literally, real estate on the first page of Google is worth millions, whereas, well maybe not millions, but it's worth a lot. Uh, Whereas real estate on the second or third page is is almost nothing. So if you can figure out a way to get your product, service, self, uh, whatever, on the very first page of Google, on the top return, That's worth a lot. And to do that, you have to kind of know a little bit about search engine optimization. There are various things that contribute. The first one at the very bottom is having great content. This is where it all starts. Because if you don't have great content, you won't get any backlinks. Backlinks are links pointing back to your site from other people's sites. So let's say I read a post on Joe's blog and I link to Joe. Uh, Joe suddenly gets a lot of points from Google. Uh, Google says, wow that post on Joe's site must really be worthwhile because Tom is pointing to him. And the more people you have pointing to you, especially pointing to you with links that have right, the right words, let's say, you know, Tom is a, or Joe is a great boxer. He's a great Viennese boxer or something, right? As more people use that link with that word, then when I search for Viennese boxer, Joe's site will come up. Um, so it, Backlinks are the absolute most important. That's why I wrote them three times up there. If you want to make a blogger's day, link back to their site. Now, different sites have different uh, authority, right? So if you get a link back from the New York Times or from the BBC, it's infinitely more valuable than a link back from a fresh blog that was created two seconds ago. So the trick to getting high search engine optimization is getting a lot of link backs from high ranking sites. And the next question is, well, how do I do that? Because this doesn't seem like something you can control, right? I have to try to beg people to link to me. That's not gonna work. And there's a guy who's got a real estate site who's asking that. He's like, Tom, I know that link backs are important, but how, how do I get them? Well, and you see a lot of people who, who will who will pay to have people link to your site and things like that. but. Really, what gets you to what achieves link backs is having great content. People link to great content. So that's why that's really important. You can also do gimmicks. Um, you can, for example, let's say you're a spa. This is a real example. Let's say you're a spa trying to get promotion. You say that uh, you can run a contest where people write a blog post about the importance of spa treatment and the winner will get a full year of free spot treatment. So then you get a bunch of people linking back to you uh, and you just have to pick one winner, something like that. So you you can do gimmicks to try to invite that, but but, uh, however you do it, that's important. The second is keywords, or one of the other elements is keywords. You have to have the right keywords in order to get the searches from Google. And by having the right keywords, you have to put them in the title, and in the first paragraph. Because it matters where they appear in your post. And this is part of the disadvantage of podcasts and and video, is that you don't have all these keywords that are making your your post rich and, and visible in search engines. So put it in the title, uh, put it in the first paragraph. Don't repeat it more than six times in the first few paragraphs. Otherwise, Google, it knows when it's being gamed. You can't change the text to the font color to white and repeat it a hundred times you'll probably get blacklisted or something so google is smart like that and 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 it knows other things internal links if you ever look at wikipedia notice that they have tons of links pointing inward to itself that's another strategy so you can actually install plugins in wordpress so that every time you say for example the word um, house then it links to other other word uh, it links to certain posts on your site uh, that, that are relevant to that. And that internal linking also also works. WordPress itself or, or a blogging platform is better architected for SEO. It puts the relevant content higher up. It doesn't hide it in tables. So it works well for that. And some other things. You can have a sitemap, low bounce rate. Bounce rate refers to, uh, if somebody comes to your site and they see the first page or whatever they they land on and then they bounce off after two seconds, that's considered a bounce. Whereas if they come to your site, hang out for a while and drill into another page, um, that's not a bounce. Other ways you can make your content visible is adding some related posts under each post. So 60 to 70% of people who find your site, they they find it by searching and, and landing on it with a search. So you want to give them more articles that are related to that search link back to everything. I talked about this in the workshop. Basically, as you link to somebody, a little excerpt of your, your site, a little excerpt of your paragraph with that link often appears back on their site, so it can lead other people back to it. Actually, this is mistitled. It should be track back, not link back. Uh, top 10 lists are great ways to showcase your most important content. Because if you have seven or 800 posts, you, want to, you, want to, you don't want them to be buried and forgotten. Uh, you want to put them in a place where people can find your most important content. And unless you do that, they get buried in a blog. How are
1: those created? Is that something you do yourself? Or you,
0: is that- either way, either way. If you do it through an automated way with a plugin, it may not give you your favorite posts. It may give you stuff that makes you uh, rethink for example, when I put this on my site, one of my top posts was uh, this grasshopper photo I took. And, and another one was uh, Rhonda Bracey. She's a great example. Her, her top post is this blueberry muffin recipe she posted, right? So it, it kind of backfires. You may want to manually do so it. So the numbers that are showing up here, top 10 posting, it was like a 419 before the first one. It's supposed to be views. You yeah. and say, oh yeah, I
2: really don't want that one on you, there. Because
0: it is yeah, a- you, there's an out, well, I think the plugin is called Popularity Contest, and you can set how popularity is determined. By number of views, by number of comments, by number of links back to it, so. There's another plugin. Uh, I also mentioned this in the workshop. If you're working with WordPress, you definitely want to check out the all-in-one SEO plugin. This allows you to make a title that only Google sees, but not your readers, so you can have your heavily search engine optimized title you know, uh, right down there, and then your readers won't see it. And you can have other sort of devices like tag clouds, which are somewhat visually interesting and not very useful uh, functionally. Okay, we've got two more points. Interaction and regularity. Now interaction is pretty self-explanatory. People like to be able to comment. People like, like it when you respond to their comments. Uh, this ability to participate in the conversation is almost the definition of Web 2.0. So if you make your site really easy to interact with, you make it easy for people to comment, uh, then they can engage with you. And if you, if you respond to that, adds a tremendous appeal. It's so much more fun reading something knowing that you can talk to the author. You can express your opinion. And ne- never turn off comments or make it so so tedious to try to add a comment that nobody will do it. So in your comment form, don't require them to add six plus nine minus four or something crazy, or, or don't require CAPTCHA if you can avoid it. CAPTCHA is like the string of letters that you can never quite decipher. Uh, at the bottom, add a little notify me of follow-up comments via email so that when you do respond, people, um, people know and they can check it out. Yeah.
3: relationship thing, but I had done something wrong, and I took almost offense in a little sister kind of way, Yeah. and I removed the post, <laughs> and my brother and sister were like, what did you do that for? <sighs> well, I'm not going to do that again. I mean, there was a lot of uproar just because I, I I had a moment where I felt like I was the baby sister, and I did something wrong, and I just removed the post.
0: And yeah. It was
3: really, really, I was shocked by their, their response.
0: Well, I tell you, getting the comments, even if there aren't the comments that you really wanted, just getting comments in general is is a personal high for for when you write something. Um, So my wife often writes posts, and I'm like, hey, that was a cool post. And she says, hey, leave a comment, right? Because you get that comment, it's this validation that what you wrote meant something to somebody else. It means that your activity is meaningful. If you write and you never get any comments, it can be discouraging. So uh, y- you definitely want to make it easy for people to comment, but also you want to you try to uh, nourish the comments you do get. Stuart. i just add that,
2: that if you were to do a similar thing on a, on a professional blog, you would get the same reaction as well from people who have taken the time to give their opinion on what you wrote, and just because you don't agree with their opinion, you decide to take your board away and, uh, and end the conversation. Exactly. You will get exactly. slammed by you know, the general community. Is I can comment on your blog and take time to do it. But it's not because I don't agree with you that
3: you can't just walk out of the room and end
2: the no, conversation. It's, it's that's out there and that's part of the conversation that's going on. Yeah. Removing comments, deleting people's comments, even even you mentioned it during the workshop, um, um, validating people's comments. Oh yeah. Comments before they appear is, is
0: kind of yeah. A if you re- issue as well. if you require approval before the comment appears, it it communicates distrust a little bit and it it, it sends the idea that you're sanitizing or filtering the comments so for legal reasons you may have to do this whatever but uh if it's a personal professional blog you usually don't and there, there are plugins you can add that will filter out swear words so if you don't want somebody swearing on your comment there's a plugin that will just put little asterisks in the middle of that so usually people don't usually like 99 out of 100 comments are fairly positive or acceptable and you just get the one weird one that's like where is this person what the heck but yeah and then posts, uh,
2: like
0: yeah
1: does,
0: like, one that was idea. that's a good but example plug in so i have this contest right and and um, uh, you have to put a caption to a cartoon and somebody's caption wasn't appropriate. And I didn't, re- I didn't realize it for a while, because I'm, I'm here. And, uh, and I later saw it, I'm like, oh, I better remove that, because I don't really want that on my site. Uh, it was kind of a racist comment. So uh, I just wrote the word deleted in brackets. And, and that way the people who were responding to it wouldn't be like, uh, their comments wouldn't appear out of out in left field, they're actually referring to something. So you can delete stuff. Just generally take it um, as constructive criticism if it's negative. Also put a contact form on your blog somehow. Uh, this is an example where somebody's contacting the guy saying, hey, I wanna give you a book deal. Um, how do I contact you other than the stupid comment? So if you, if you make yourself available, People may have all kinds of reasons for contacting you. You may have branded yourself as a as a great expert in in some topic, and they want help with that, and it doesn't relate to the post. David,
1: the disadvantage is people use my contact form to try and sell me things.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can get you, you get all kinds of people sending you pitches and so forth. Um. Actually, you can also try to turn that to to a benefit. You can give away products. You know, if they want to. You can give stuff away from your site, and then it draws more people to it. I, I recently had TechSmith give me eight copies of Snagit and Camtasia. I was like, that's awesome. And then I turned it into a giveaway on my blog uh, and then grabbed a few more companies. So you can do giveaways like that and, and other sorts of things, and it can be a lot of fun. Grammar
1: girl.
0: Yeah, she's always giving away those audio books, right? Grammar Girl is another great podcast. It's a short one, but it's really focused. All about grammar. <laughs> Grammar-girl.com. No, it's, you just search for it. It's something like quickanddirtytips.grammargirl. Yeah, yeah. and dirty tips, because they have a group of people that are doing things. But that's a mistake in branding, right? She, she needs to get that URL. And that's another tip. I don't even have this in here, but your URL should match your title Otherwise, people never remember it. Um, Caesar said than done sometimes. Yes, CJ. I hope I'm not um, repeating what
3: you.
0: you Oh, sorry. um, (laughs) Go for
3: it. The companies that are contacting you from your blog, I mean, um, they're giving you free products because
0: it's advertising? No, okay, here's how it happened. I, I was working with Snagit actually to draw some of these little figures, these little thingies for the slideshow and I was really excited and impressed by Snagit and I tweeted about it several times I'm like man Snagit is the most usable product I wish Madcap Flare would or Madcap Software would contract with with uh, TechSmith to actually create their products and and <laughs> no but Betsy Weber who's follow who follows Twitter fo- I don't know if she just follows me or follows the the word Snagit or whatever but she contacted me said hey uh we'd like to give you some some stuff to give away on your blog and I'm like great. And and then I said well I want to make this into a theme. So I, I emailed some other companies and asked if they wanted to contribute and then okay. and usually they they say yeah. I mean I know that Flare or Madcap is coming out with Flare 5. Mm-hmm. Usually people who are coming out with a new product want to create some kind of excitement around their their company. So that's a great time to to get people to give stuff away. So most of them you emailed them after Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's how I got all my sidebar ads as well. I, I basically emailed and asked if they wanted to advertise, or I just sent out a call and some people responded. Okay, we're coming up to the last point. We only have about nine minutes left, right? This is one of the most difficult parts of blogging, regularity. Uh, you have to post a lot. So if, you're, if this is your typical month, you're posting 15 times a month if you, if you want. Right? You can have a, a blog that posts much less once or twice a month but you won't really you're not going to get those that loyal following of people who just love to read your stuff because it's not regular enough you have to at least post once a week um, and, and usually a good rhythm is three times a week uh, some people say you can post too much and that's true people can only read so much um, but by and large you have to generate a lot of content and that can be difficult. This is why a lot of people start blogs and then they blog fade because they run out of things to say, they run out of time, they lose interest. Um, there's a guy, this is my favorite quote. When I was a college undergrad, this quote hung in the, the writing fellows group. The desire to write grows with writing. This is by Erasmus, Desiderius Erasmus or something in the 16th century or 17th century. And he, what he said is not that uh revelatory here but it is true as you start to write more ideas come to you you start to get in this in in this writing mode and everything that happens to you you suddenly contextualize into uh whether it would be a good post or not so um you may find at the beginning that ideas are hard to come to you but give yourself a while get into the rhythm and soon you find a lot of ideas um reading is also an excellent way to generate ideas. Whether you read magazines, articles, books, uh, whether you attend conferences, read forum posts, listservs, it generates and sparks ideas for you to write about. So as long as you're actively engaged in something, you're going to find lots of ideas. Finding the time is also difficult, but if uh, if you're um, in a place where blogging is supported, let's say you're your spouse is also a blogger, you know. Then it's a mutual activity. That's the case in my home. Uh, this is my wife and I at WordCamp. <laughs> this is like a WordPress conference. You know, we both went. We both got our laptops. We'll both sit on our couch and write and stuff, and, and it's kind of fun. Uh, not always. We're not that nerdy, but but <laughs> you get the idea. If if you're if your wife, husband, partner, whatever, sees that every time you open the computer, it's a complete waste of time and says, "You know, can you help out uh, mopping floor or doing the dishes? Every time you try to write something, you're setting yourself up for failure. You have to have a supportive environment and you do have to have some time. If you work two jobs, forget it, right? But uh, if, you, if you have a supportive environment, if you find the time um, in the evening, an hour or something, then you, you can publish regularly. Vicky. I wanted to go back to your comment in the beginning about this being a great opportunity for writers. Yeah.
3: Um, and combine that with, uh, I think more and more people in Europe are working for American companies and one of the things that I realize is that, uh, or international companies, is that the bigger the company you work for, the more you're working in the environment where people have less time to think. Hmm. And, when thinking goes away, it's going away people are not. The leaders in the companies or your managers or di- directors are not having time to read. They're not having time to think. They're not having time to connect with the world and all of these things. And I think one of our walls as writers connected to us uh, is through reading, through writing, we are actually um, having the time to think, Yeah, thinking for our companies and then writing for us.
0: So I think a really it is yeah. back to this is a great time to be it, a it's, it's a valuable activity, yeah. I mean, we didn't even talk about this, but it's almost a given that writing is, is valuable, that it gives opportunity for reflection. Uh, I'm often amazed at how many writers I encounter who challenge the value of blogging because it's really writing. It can be any type of writing you want. You can have a fiction blog, you can have a fiction Podcast, where you write a chapter a day of your fantasy novel or something. Um, y- it's really anything you want And and a lot of people have in their minds well I want to write a book and that's totally fine you can write a book through your blog if you want but also the fact that you get a lot of comments from blogs and you have interaction is almost more fulfilling than having a static print publication that you rarely hear feedback from. So it can be a highly fulfilling activity. Otherwise, it wouldn't be so popular. So that is pretty much the end. And uh, let me just show, oh, I'm at my 10.30 mark. So do we have any questions about blogging, podcasting, screencasting? I know we covered a lot, but these, trying to get back to my eight little things here at the beginning, probably should have put the slide at the, there we go. These eight tips, relevance, voice, interaction, readability, story, revealing appropriately, visibility, regularity, these all contribute to what makes a blog successful. A podcast, screencast is going to invite the, the devoted followers. David.
1: I wanted to just to ask you um, on a more technical note, you blog with WordPress. Yeah. There are other blogging tools out there. Yeah. Why is it that you prefer WordPress?
0: Have you tried other things? You know, I've experimented a little bit with uh, some of the others, but um, there's having the control and the flexibility to tweak the design. So I first started using WordPress when I was a chapter webmaster at Florida, and I wanted to re- redesign our site so I could, I could have that versatility uh, to do whatever I wanted. But, I mean, there's some limitations with other platforms, like with Blogger, it's harder to change, it's harder to tweak the design. Um, Even with WordPress.com, the hosted version of WordPress, you can't show ads. I don't know if that makes my, maybe it's just Google ads or all ads, I'm not sure. With platforms like um, Movable Type, you have a limited number of plugins and, and themes. Yeah, they have actually a lot of plugins. It's not a bad platform at all. I think, you know, I, I I come across as a WordPress enthusiast, and I don't mean to be like a little fanboy of WordPress that much, because it's definitely got its limitations. And I think whatever, you're, whatever tool you're using, focus on the content more, because that's really where the value is. The technology is going to change. Who knows? Maybe people decide the PHP, MySQL architecture of WordPress is, is going to fall flat or something. And so so if you focus on the content though and it's a, if it's in a format that you can extract, get out of not limited to then then that's what matters. Jeanette. blogger and then you know, type, type pad. MySpace
3: something that is not. Specific.
0: What did they find? What did you find?
3: The WordPress was the
0: most used. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. We, we each had um, there was three in our team <laughs> in different countries
3: and so we had different languages and we each had three to five users that we just asked to just set them down, gave them the, the, the task to do,
0: that we Yeah, well that's good to know. Yeah I think by and large, WordPress is easier than other platforms such as Drupal or, or, or Joomla. It depends what you're trying to do. You know, different platforms have different strengths, and and uh, you know there's people who are devoted to other platforms, and uh, you know it really doesn't make or break your blog. What makes or breaks it is what you publish. Nobody really cares. You can change your entire theme; nobody will even say anything. You know, you, they're not reading it for the way it looks. They're reading it for, of course, it contributes to how they receive it a little bit, but. They're reading for the content. Glenn. Uh, long been
2: talking, for, admit, with this microphone attached to your shirt, this little device, can I ask you what
0: you're going to do with the recording? Oh, I was totally going to publish it as a podcast. You <laughs> and, you know, I, I I haven't really been repeating a lot of the questions and so forth, so there'll be gaps, but, you know, who that's all right. Uh, I, I don't want to go over my time, so I'm going to... Cut it here and thank you again for listening. I'll put these slides with the post with the podcast soon. So, thanks. Thank you. If you have made it this far, then you have reached the end. This was a presentation that I gave to the Transalpine Conference in Vienna in June of 2002. If you have feedback, I think you know where to find me. I'd rather be writing.com. I'm always looking for. Interesting ideas, cool people, uh, innovative techniques, or different approaches people are using that uh, that are successful. So, if you have an idea for a podcast, or even a blog post, or some other um, some other format, I'd love to hear it. Send me an email, drop me a line, let me know you're listening, and uh, if you're thinking about getting into podcasting, I'd love to. Give advice, tips, uh, record your presenters. It's not hard to record a presentation. You just basically attach a little microphone and hit record. And uh, that way we can all benefit as a global technical communication community. You know, I, I often reflect about the number of presentations at conferences, chapter meetings, and other uh, just events that go on every year and I bet 90 to 95% of them are actually unrecorded. The STC Summit was quite an exception last year. But by and large, most of the time, um, these presentations get lost. And I think it's really valuable if you can just record it. All this effort that goes into presenting, uh, you can reach a much, much larger audience. You can, instead of just having a room full of 50, 20, 75 people, you can actually have hundreds listen to it and your reach can be much much uh, more vast so record your presentations record other people's presentations share them and that way we all benefit all right thanks for listening